Welcome to Know Your Risk Radio on 97.3 Cairo FM and AM 770 KTTH. Know Your Risk Radio is hosted by Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital. Whether it's preservation of capital or an aggressive growth strategy, every investor needs a clearly defined risk profile. Know Your Risk Radio is brought to you by Bulwark Capital, helping families navigate the ever-changing and often volatile markets. Know Your Risk Radio starts now. Here's your host, Zach Abraham. And we are back. Thank you so much for joining us for yet another of the most scintillating hours in finance radio. Pumped to be here today. And uh, again, like we've been saying, plenty to discuss. Obviously, I was joking in the three-minute open with our folks up here in Seattle I was like, it's a crazy week. And then, you know, then I corrected my, you know, when crazy becomes normal, then I suppose normal would be crazy. So uh, not a crazy week in terms of, uh, right. It's kind of the way of things. Certainly, uh, certainly lately, but we're going to, we're going to dive in in the market update and really dig into what's gone on this week. Uh, we're also going to dig into <clears throat> lessons that we have learned. Uh, in the market update, lessons that we have learned from this week. There's two. There's two lessons that I really want to focus on here, um, and, and it's and it's lessons for professional investors, retail investors, and and just people that have money invested. Like you know, so I I think there's 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 two big lessons to learn from this week, and we're gonna hit them both in the market update. We're gonna do a do a section, uh, a segment on the Fed and Ben Bernanke. He was in the news this week for getting the Nobel Prize. And as you might have guessed, I have some thoughts on that. <laughs> so we'll share it with you. The other thing that I want to talk about, one of the things that we've been discussing here for probably the better part of the last three to four months is something that we are referring to as a consumer spending air pocket. And I want to dig into that because, um, and I'm going to dedicate a segment of the show to that today to dig into I want you guys to have a very good understanding of what's going on in the economy, or rather, I should say, how we are interpreting what's going on in the economy. I am very all too well aware that I am not the arbiter of ultimate truth as it relates to the stock market. I also always want to be careful to not tell you why markets go up and down. I, I It is a pet peeve of mine. Well, today the market was up because of the – look – Markets are up or down because people were buying them at higher prices or selling them at lower prices. That, that, that's why. Okay. And one of the most important aspects of investing, in my opinion, is to be able to read through the noise. Right. And I think this week is going to be a phenomenal example of that. So as it relates to the market update, Let's kick it off here, but I want to start with the two lessons that we should learn. Okay. Yesterday, so I'm recording this on Friday, right? So, so yesterday, meaning Thursday, <clears throat> big rally, huge. I want to say from, from the, the, the Dow got down to about, it was down about 600 points shortly after the open. Uh, I hate talking about points because percentages are what matter. But, but the Dow is what most – and just so you guys know, when we're talking about the markets, don't look at the Dow. Okay, The Dow is 30 industrial stocks, and it's got Apple mixed in there too. So it's not just industrial, but it's not a good look at the market. If you, when we're talking about the market, we're talking about the S&P 500. Okay? And I actually think that the NASDAQ, because it houses the biggest companies in the world now, right? the big tech companies, I, I think it is much more uh, – of an accurate gauge, if you will, of the market than the Dow is. But the Dow is widely referenced. So just to give you guys this perspective, the Dow was down 600 points at one point yesterday and rallied at one point was up just shy of 1,000. Maybe it even hit 1,000 points up. Uh, the NASDAQ was down as much as I want to say 3.2, 3.3%, finished with a 2.3% gain. That's major indexes swinging in 6% ranges in a day. And that move, I am sure with a lot of you, because I heard it from clients and, and prospective clients and people that I was talking to, 
what happened? What's going on? Is it market bottoming? Is it this? Is it that? Now, full caveat here, right? And not just humility, just reality. Okay, I'm going to give you my interpretation of what happened. And I could end up being wrong. Okay, but our expectation coming into Friday was that I thought by Friday or Monday, you would reverse most, if not all of those gains. Okay, here's why I thought that. Yesterday, let's start at the beginning. So we had a, we had a big CPI announcement, consumer price index announcement. Okay. Now on Wednesday, we also had another, it's wholesale prices, the, the metric PPI that measures wholesale prices that came in double the expectation. Okay. So that wasn't, that wasn't good news, certainly on the fed rate hiking. And why, why are we focused on inflation guys? Because the fed is committed to raise rates until a fish uh, or until inflation abates right? Or stops or whatever, you know? Um, and so higher inflation readings are decidedly negative for the economy or excuse me for the economy because inflation has a bad impact, but also for the market because it means higher rates, right? And if you haven't noticed when we've been talking to you about why currencies, you know, for much of the last seven years, talking about why currency and rates are so important, right? If you want to know what markets are doing, look at markets. If you want to know what markets are going to do, focus on rate trajectories and currency valuations, right? That, that's the foundational part. Now, can they, can they wander from each other at times? Yes. But right. If you, we want to skate to where the puck is going, right? The old Gretzky analogy. And so if you want to know where the puck is going, the leads economically, right? If you want to know what's going to happen in the economy, you're much better off looking at, at interest rates, uh, economic data, currency movements than you are just looking at a market, right? Because markets can go up and down for all kinds of reasons. And here's the lesson. Here's the one of the two lessons I want you to learn from this week. <clears throat> markets move all of the time for non-fundamental reasons. Okay, so when that CPI announcement came in hotter than expected yesterday, and it wasn't blistering, it wasn't crazy, there were certain parts of it that had calmed down. Uh, goods inflation was at the it was increasing, so it still increased, but it can, it increased at the lowest rate it had since May of last year. So technically, that's good news, but but it's still increasing, right? Services inflation came in extra hot, which shouldn't be any surprise. Services inflation is is um is reflective of a lot of travel right the summer of love and restaurants and all that you know all those other kind of things that came in hot as well that made interest rates go up right uh it also gave the dollar a good pop and then on the same day now it, again it wasn't a it wasn't a you know it, it wasn't crazy it wasn't a showstopper but on that same day Right. So higher inflation, higher interest rates, pretty much if we take the Fed at their word, pretty much guaranteeing yet another hike. OK. And on that same day, you came out and, and unemployment numbers popped un unexpectedly. They I, popped is probably hyperbolic. They were they came in higher than expect expectation. It wasn't an eye popper. It wasn't crazy, but it was one. Oh. Okay, I mean, that is a quadfecta, if that agrees, right? Not, all of the news that came out yesterday, again on Thursday, was negative. And we were watching it very closely. As a matter of fact, me and my head trader were up at 5 a.m. because the CPI report comes out at, at, uh, uh, comes out at, at 5.30 Eastern, right? There's another thing. I don't mean it like this, but if you want people that are managing your money that are up at 5 a.m. to look at the CPI report and act accordingly, again, it's another advantage to active management. And quite honestly, I think that's the kind of work that should be going into earning a fee, right? Uh, so a little plug for Bulwark there. But anyway, um, <clears throat> but when that all of that news is market negative, there's nothing positive in there. Rates are going up and unemployment's going up at the same time. Right. You know what it's starting to look like? And I'm not calling it this, but the environment that we are currently in is stagflationary. It's the worst of both worlds where you're getting economic contraction and persistently higher prices at the same time. Now, we'll have to see if that lasts. I don't think it will not at the same rate, but I do think that the Fed is going to be shocked by the persistence of inflation, 
Meaning I think we're going into a period of time where inflationary pressures are going to remain. They're going to wax and wane, right? They're not consistent the way people think. So I think you're going to see false celebrations about the end of inflation. And then the minute the Fed cuts and starts stimulating again, which they inevitably will do, right? Uh, then, then you're going to see those inflation pressures come back to the front. Now, maybe they'll go hotter. Maybe they'll go colder. Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. But the, but, but the big lesson, the big takeaway I want you to learn is that markets don't have to go up or down based on news. So the question I kept getting for our employees and from clients, what, what, what changed? What's going on? What's going on? Nothing. Do you, do you know what I really think yesterday was? And I'll tell you why I think this. First of all, I'll tell you what, what I think it was. I think that yesterday was pretty bad news. You got that rush down lower out of the gates. And you were already setting new lows. So the market was really nasty going into it. And... We had made good money on our shorts over the last two to three weeks because the market was going up or excuse me, the market was going down. And I think what happened was guys started cashing and taking profits on shorts. Okay. The market's tr still trading on light volume. So it's trading pretty thin. Liquidity is actually really bad right now on a bunch of different metrics you look at as far as the market's concerned. And you can see that now, in my opinion, you can see that as evidenced. There were multiple times yesterday and Thursday's sell off and then big, huge rally where you saw the NASDAQ and the S&P jumping around, you know, 50, 60 basis points in 10 to 15 seconds. Right. That's that's evidence of illiquidity. And I was sitting there thinking that. And then after the market closed, I started looking into different uh, liquidity metrics and following guys that focus on liquidity on Twitter, reading their feeds. And sure enough, market liquidity has gone to the floor. So we need to be very cautious in illiquid environments because what they create is extraordinarily volatile moves to either side. OK, so I think there was illiquidity. I also think that the market on a technical basis was oversold, meaning you were below the 200-day moving average, you were both below the 50-day moving average, right? You, you, technically speaking, you were due for a bounce. And I think guys were taking profits on shorts, right? And the way you take a profit on shorts positions when you're betting against the market is by buying, right? That's how you neutralize. That's how you get out and, 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 and you buy the underlying stock and then that, that gets you out of the trade. Right now, on top of it, we also know that we still have a record of retail money into the in, into the markets. Right. So my, the way I look at retail investors at this point is I think that they're a magnifying glass, whatever the market does, especially when it starts moving to the upside, because very, very few retail investors go short. Just, they're overwhelmingly long investors. They're less sophisticated, not saying if you're long only. I mean, Buffett rarely goes short, too. He'll do it via derivatives. But I'm um, just saying that's, you know, that's, that's how retail investing works. And so they're going to magnify the moves. They're going to jump on it. Right. But what we need to keep in mind, and this is why focusing on fundamentals is so important. Okay. Markets do all kinds of crazy things for reasons that, that, that you're not even thinking about. Right. So I walked in yesterday and I'm talking with my trader and, and we're like, we're sitting there and he goes, well, how in the world would people want to rally stocks like this? And I go, you know, I'm with you, man. This is crazy. That's about as bad. And at this phase of the game right now, that the, the news that came out yesterday was about as bad as it gets, period. And then I looked at him and I said, but what have we done today? And he goes, take profits on our shorts. And I go, yep. So about 15 minutes into the trading day, it, it gave me the willies because, you know, our tech shorts were up like almost 10%. Volatility positions were up like five. But if you looked at the underlying VIX, the volatility index, it was flat. And again, these aren't rules to go by because there are always exceptions to the rules. So I'm not trying to give you, well, when the VIX is this, do this. It, it's not that clean. But just from personal experience, if I think a market's going to drop and it starts dropping really hard and the VIX doesn't go with it, it I, just in my experience, it's always been like, hey, takes something weird's going on here. Take some profits and get out of the way. Um, 
we could sit here and have four hours of conversations about why the VIX is acting the way it is. I'm not an expert there in terms of what makes it do what it does. I just know that it's a very important input for us to kind of figure out where we're at in cycles, where we're at in markets, things of that nature. But, but the, but the, but the, you know, so you're looking at about a, a, we followed that big rally off today. Let's see. I'm not going to keep the markets on because they're too distracting, but today you're giving most of it back, all of it back on the NASDAQ plus some, uh, you're giving about, about 60% of it back as it relates to the Dow and um, about 80% of the move yesterday you're giving back on the S&P 500. So basically giving back the majority of, of, of if not all of the gains from yesterday. So that kind of goes in line with what we thought was going to happen. But um, especially in bear markets, guys, especially in bear markets, in markets that are already down as much as these markets are, we have to be very careful about what we infer, right, from market moves. And this is why it's so important because I know for a fact, I heard the talk, I saw it on Twitter. I know for a fact, the rally on Thursday got a lot of the bulls all dandered up and they're all ready to go. And in my opinion, these are just, this is why bear markets, I was talking to a client yesterday and I go, look, man, these are bear markets. It literally is trying to like ride a wild greased boar, right? Even if you're getting it right. And again, I'm not sticking out my chest, but our value portfolio that's got about, it represents about 65 to 70% of our clients to overall stock portfolio. It's down two and a half on the year. Um, You know, I feel good about that, but I'm frustrated we're not up a lot more because we've been right. Why aren't we up more? It's because of the managing risk and the erratic nature of bear markets. They're just very, even when you're right, right? We came into this year, our two biggest positions in our value portfolio, long energy, short technology. It's worked out beautiful. We're still hanging right around flat on the year. Why? Because if you're managing risk, And if your number one job is to not lose a lot of clients' money, it's very tough to make money in bear markets. It just is. People are like, oh, you're a short seller. The market's down 40%. Why aren't you up 40? It's just really tough. And the reason it's tough is you'll have days like yesterday where you're going short into the day because you're expecting higher CPI prints and you're expecting to see signs of economic weakness, which should be market bears, bearish for the overall market. And then the market just rips in your face. We call that a bear market rally. You guys have heard me talk a lot about this. These are this is what happens in bear markets. So what are we looking for? How do we know that we're through it? You don't know for sure. But what I'm looking for is fundamentals. Most importantly, the issue I've got, the reason I'm not buying into this being a market bottom is because prices still are not attractive when we look at the economic backdrop. You know, the S&P 500 is still trading somewhere in 19, 19 and a half times earnings. Maybe it's a little lower after today, but somewhere right around that's still elevated on a historical level. Yet, if we look at all historical metrics, other than unemployment, which you guys have heard me railing on, that's always the last thing to roll over. Other than unemployment, things look, you know, if you put them in a historical context, they don't look good. So it's certainly not a market to me that that deserves a premium valuation. Now, valuation is not a good timing tool. One of the other things I'm looking for is the further hit to the classics, right? Uh, uh, now, Tesla's really getting rocked. I think it's down 7% again today. That's a hallmark stock of this entire cycle, right? I need to see the hallmarks. I need to see the generals of this run get taken out and, and whooped, right? That's... The other thing you want to see is you want to quit seeing these snapback rallies. Typically speaking, unless there is government interference, right? Like there was during COVID when they announced the greatest handout and transfer of wealth in history. You don't typically see V bottoms. You see capitulation. And one of the ways that you see that is you quit seeing these violent snapback rallies out of nowhere. Again, doesn't happen that way all the time, but you get enough of these things together, right? And very rarely will they all occur and the green light goes off. Okay, the bottom is in. It, it, it doesn't work that way either, right? 
But when you put them all together and you're keeping your eyes on those kinds of things, right, your dashboard, if you will, you know, you want to see multiple of those things line up. And I think the most important one, at least in my process, is that valuation side of it. Right? Because if I'm buying a really good business for super cheap or at a really nice price, I probably won't get the bottom perfect, but I'm still buying a business at a really good price. Right. So I can deal with that. The, the other important lesson I want you to learn is there is a guru, quote unquote guru on Twitter that has like 100,000, 100, 150,000. Maybe it's even more than that now. Big Tesla guy, guy by the name of Gary Black. I, I don't know the guy, not saying anything negative against him. But he's become one of these Pied Pipers of Tesla and new technology and his fund does this. And he recently sent a letter to the board of Tesla saying we as investors and it's the biggest position in our fund. And he speaks with all this authority and blah, 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 blah. Well, I went and looked at his fund. He's got $9 million under management, right? And I'm not putting him down. What I'm saying is if the expert that you're listening to manages $9 million or, or the retirement plans for his mom and two of his uncles, okay, it, it's not because he's hitting the ball out of the park, all right? So, and again, it, just because somebody manages $9 million doesn't, know they, doesn't mean they don't know what they're talking about. Okay, but what it does mean is it's not really the residue you're looking for for a very seasoned, accomplished investor. Okay, so be careful who you listen to, right? And it's amazing. People treat whatever this guy says like gospel. If he was that good at his job, guys, he'd manage more than nine million bucks, okay? Performance ain't very good either. That might have something to do with it. But anyway, those are the those are the two biggest things I want you to focus on here. Um, we've run a little bit over here, so I'm gonna. I, there's other things I want to get to. So why don't we take the rest of the market update and kind of combine it with our uh, our segment on Ben Bernanke, which I think is probably more apt. So as always, guys, you know I was re- referencing earlier. Yes, we were up at five o'clock that morning, getting ready for the CPI print at five thirty. Right now. Yesterday wasn't a great day for us. We were only up 0.3 because we were hedged. Today, though, we're hanging right around in there, down 0.5 or something like that. Um, So we're hanging right in there. You know, again, we're hedged. But if you want people that are actively managing your money in a way that you would, right? If it was your lifestyle online and you were an investor managing your own money, you'd probably be up at 5 a.m., especially in crazy times like this, wanting to know what's going on on the CPI print trying to fight for any leg up for your clients that you possibly can do, right? Any advantage possible, you're fighting and scraping for it. If you're just sitting in a 60-40 stock bond portfolio, guys, nobody's doing that for you. And I think that the fee you pay, I, I think that's what you deserve. I think that's what you should get for the fee you pay. If you're not, give us a call, 866-779-RISK. Again, 866-779-RISK. Go to the radio show website, knowyourriskradio.com, bulwarkcapitalmanagement.com. You guys know the drill. Stick with us through the break. We're going to be right back, finish up the market update, and talk a little bit about old Uncle Ben Bernanke and his big award this week. Stick with us. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. This is Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham. Listen to Zach discuss key investment strategies across several asset classes, not just stocks and bonds. Get your free copy of Zach's new booklet, Common Sense Investing. Go to knowyourriskradio.com. Is your portfolio positioned for a successful retirement in this wild market? Join Zach Abraham for his final live webinar of the year, Thursday, October 27th at 3 o'clock, to learn why a risk management strategy has never been more crucial. Dory, protecting retirement portfolios against loss is our number one focus. Our live webinar is a fully transparent look into the Bulwark investment strategy, and we'll show you how our strategy is done in 2022 as well as previous years, and explain why a basic 60-40 stock bond mix is outdated and is a risk in today's inflationary environment. 
Learn how our risk management strategy can help protect your retirement. Don't miss Zach Abraham's final live webinar of the year, Thursday, October 27th at 3. It's free, but space is limited, so register now at knowyourriskradio.com. Learn all about Bulwark's risk management strategy and see their performance. Register now at knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice can't be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management's an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back. All right, let's get right back into it. So let's finish up the um, <clears throat> let's finish up the market update here. So we talked about the 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 um, the data that was released yesterday. Today makes a lot more sense. Kind of feels to me like the world is a little more sane. Uh, again, it, it's it's it's. It's not horrible, but there was just nothing positive. And I'm a firm believer that yesterday's rally was simply, we actually, we covered about half of our shorts uh, about 15 minutes into the trading day. And then toward the end of the trading day, we added them back on. Um, So some of our clients probably sitting there going, why would you buy and sell that thing? Um, Look, and sometimes that's, I mean, you could have had a follow, follow through rally today. This is my whole point about navigating bear markets. It, it's, it is part science. It's also just part art. And the art part is hard because by definition, not every painting is going to be perfect, right? Um, now, it, it worked out pretty good for us yesterday because had we not pulled the shorts, we'd have been red on the day. And if we wouldn't have added them back, we wouldn't be hanging in there nearly as good as we are today. Um, so it worked out good for us, but it always, it just won't. And, and, and why are we moving things? You know, like, it's funny. I get questions from clients. Well, why don't you do this? Because, you know, this thing got down to this level and then went back up. And I'm like, guys, you're talking about investing in hindsight. I mean, come on. Right. Uh, Again, especially in a bear market, like just, and I tell our clients that all the time. I go, guys, look, our job, what we're trying to do, can we make money in bear markets? Yes. And I'm still sitting there kind of chewing my fingernails because I'm down like two. I said two, five. I think it's now about 2.8% in the fund that I run this year. And I've never had a negative year in it. I've had years of very solid underperformance. I've talked about that, but I've never had a negative year and I'm, and I'm getting a little antsy, man. I don't want to start now. I mean, it'll eventually happen, but, um, but it's, it's, it's just, it's tough. And again, we went into it with about as good a read as anybody could have, right? Long energy, short tech. I mean, that's been the play. And we're still just basically flat, slightly down on the air. It's just, these are just tough markets to navigate. And it's tough when you do it every single day for the last 15 years, right? With other people's money, which is a completely different ball game. And it, so if, if you're beating a head, your head against the wall, you're not the only one. And quite honestly, what I would recommend, and, and again, I'm not just being biased because this is what I do. But if you don't know what you're doing, these are not markets you want to be playing around in. They're just not. It's, you know, if the last two days doesn't show that to you, I don't know what will. So anyway, the other thing I want to get in, and you're going to start seeing this more and more. You're seeing headlines all over the place. The 60-40 portfolio no longer works. Okay, again, if you've been listening to me for any period of time, you know that I've been railing on the 60-40 portfolio for the last seven years. And I've been doing it longer than that, but I've just been on the radio for seven years, six and a half years, something like that. Um, There's another learning point that I think we can learn here. I've joked around for years and said, look, they're not going to change what they do until they start losing clients because their 60-40 portfolio gets railed. It's not about underperformance for the last decade. Okay, it's not about that. It's going to take more than that. It's going to take these people getting killed and having clients leave them before they recognize it. Well, here we are. Okay, and if this doesn't give you an insight into why we do things the way we do and why I'm a firm believer that especially for people close to retirement and in retirement are better served by a system and portfolios and management the way we do it is because you're just seeing you're getting a glimpse into the way that the financial industry works. Okay. They're not going to change what they do until the business side of it, i.e. clients leaving them, forces them to change. Okay, And even then, I had a looking at a portfolio the other day that was being managed for a buddy of mine's parents. 
and they because they because he's older, they needed him in a conservative portfolio. So he was in 65% bonds. He made virtually nothing the last two years. And then this year he's down 18%. It's criminal. You guys, it's not even, it's not criminal. It's not intentional. Okay. But these, these classic portfolios, this way of thinking is nuking people's retirements. And I don't even think we've seen the worst of it, but that's the other problem. When are they going to change? They're going to change after the wreck, right? What do we, what do we say all the time? People change. They, most people do not change in anticipation of pain. They change at the realization of pain. And that could not be more true all over the place. People think they're smart. The death of the 60, 40 portfolio. And, uh, I, I put out a tweet where I tweeted one of these and I'm like, well, you're about a decade late to the party. Your clients have had horrific underperformance. In positively correlated assets. So bonds and stocks have been moving together and, and, and the bond side of it has been putting out record low performance since the financial crisis. This is not new, right? But like I told you, they're not going to, they're not going to abandon it, right? They've got to see it get hammered. The problem is, right? They've got to pay for that experience. The problem is the tuition is coming out of your account, Like I've said on the show, this isn't about me taking victory laps. It's not about me saying they're so stupid. This is about me making a passion plea to you guys going, hey, you're seeing the proof. You've been listening to somebody that was telling you that this was going to happen. And it's not because I'm a genius. It's because rates were at zero. There was nowhere to go but down. Right now, people are crying about an inevitability. In in, in our... um, in, in the workshops that we do, the webinars that we put on, I start everyone with this picture of this guy sitting in a rocking chair reading a paper in the middle of train tracks. And I, and I put it up there as an example of bad risk management, meaning why are the train tracks there? They're not decorative, right? They serve a purpose. And I'd be willing to bet you if you sit there long enough, you'll find out what they're for. Okay, and more importantly, you can move four feet to the right or four feet to the left and have the exact same experience. You can read your paper. You can sit in the chair. You can look at the sun. Same experience. Zero risk. That's what this bond portfolio has been since rates went to zero. You were just sitting in the middle of the train tracks waiting to take a hammering. Okay. That alone should convince you you're not getting the bang for your buck when it comes to your retirement portfolio. That alone. I don't even care what the stock side of it's doing, and it's probably getting wrecked too. Like I said, our average client portfolio all in all this year is down somewhere between 2 to 3.5%. That's what a retirement portfolio should do. It shouldn't be possible for you to be down 30% in six or seven months. Now, if you're 35 and accumulating money, sure. Right. As long as you just keep shoveling money into the account, these drops will be beneficial to you. Right. That's fine, because even when the market eventually gets back to even, you're going to have way more in it because you were putting money in. You were buying at lower prices. It's fine. Like I tell people, do I think people could do better with us? Sure, I do. But like I tell all my friends, they go, should I move it? I go, no, you know what, man? All you need to do is just make sure you keep putting money in. You've got plenty of time. You're 25 years out from retirement. Just, just keep putting money in. Stay all stocks for now. Just keep putting money in. The more the stock market goes down, just keep putting money. That doesn't work in retirement. Okay? Because you need to spend. And if that's the answers you're getting, you're just getting jobbed. Not purposefully. It's not malicious. It's just incompetence. And your retirement shouldn't be left up to that. Especially when it's so bloody easy. Oh, the bond market's down. Our bond replacement strategy is up three, three and a half percent. If you're using both sides of it for people out there that don't have both sides. But worst case scenario, the worst part of our bond replacement strategy is flat on the year. I don't know about you guys, but I'll take flat over a 20 percent hit. 
It's just it's just maddening. And it shows you the industry. If you're waiting for these people to call you and tell you, hey, the environment sort of changed like today. We've got 40. We've got the highest inflation rate in the last 40 years. What? How should we change the portfolio to account for that? Nothing. Stay the course. Huh? So you're telling me I should wear my yellow rain jacket 365 days a year. What am I paying you for? I, I can do that on my, I can lose money on my own. I don't need to pay somebody for the privilege of it. Anyway, other funny one, OPEC Biden. I, it's like, I, look, I, I don't want to get political. This is just like the Keystone cops. I don't know what, you know, people are like, he didn't go over there and beg and the Saudis released that thing. Now, granted, the Saudis ain't the most credible folks. Okay, but still, there, that he was he, he was asking them, can you can you delay the OPEC cut until after the election? And I, I don't want to get on the political route, but I just want to. I, I this is a good illustration to show how there's just nobody at the wheel, guys. Okay, we're worried about politics. Meanwhile, we're facing an energy situation that could cause unbelievable tumult in the world. Meanwhile, he's over there licking the boots of the Saudis trying to get them to increase production. And he's not doing anything over here in the U.S. to help U.S. producers, except telling them his goal is to drive them out of business. I just can't wrap my head around that. If you need oil, why pay for it overseas to to a, a less than savory Right. Uh, group of individuals when you could be putting it in U.S. workers pot. It just. And if you if you think they're going to come up with any clever ideas, I mean, I just, you know, I wish you the best of luck. They're not. I, and again, it's not all Biden's fault. He wasn't president for the last 15 years. But I mean, it is not all his fault. It really isn't. He didn't create this problem. But sweet Moses, he has done nothing but exacerbate the issue. Nothing he's done has helped. The SPR. Well, the SPR has helped the price in the interim just because you're putting more out there. But unfortunately, guys, what's going to fix the current energy situation is higher energy prices. That's what's going to incentivize the investment. And until you get the investment, this is the situation we're going to be dealing with. Okay, now let's move over to Ben Bernanke, another good old Uncle Ben. Uncle Ben got the Nobel Prize for economics. And I don't know if you know this, but we have had a Nobel Prize winner for economics on the show before. Uh, Professor uh, Robert Schiller. So, I mean, you know, we're kind of a big deal, as Ron Burgundy would say. (laughs) Uh, Only reason we were able to land that is because friend of a friend. Uh, Anyway, uh, but the the Nobel Prize. People go, hey, well, he saved the financial system. Okay, here, here's, here's my issue. Now, I beg on the Fed less today than I did when I started the radio shows. I've learned more, you know, grown. Uh, but one of the reasons I begged on them less is that there are, you know, there are new members of the Fed. There are people that didn't put us on this trajectory, to, so to say, so to speak. And they have a very difficult job because they're in an extraordinarily difficult position, meaning there's only certain things they can do based on what they've done leading into this, right? The, the, they can't undo the path that led us to where we currently are, right? They just got to make the best out of a, a not good situation. So I'll give them a caveat there. But this extolling or this lifting up and praise for Ben Bernanke is just incredible to me. It's not surprising, but and, and I'll address why it's not surprising, but it is incredible to me. He saved the financial system, okay? He did, but how did he do it? He just wrote a blank check for a trillion dollars and stuffed it in the banks. You know, I think he would deserve a Nobel Prize if he was able to generate the same, the same outcome without just printing a trillion dollars, right? We're not talking about a genius approach. Again, Third grade diplomacy, meaning if you told third, a class of third graders, and I'm going to keep using this analogy because I think it's perfect for the days and times we live in. But if you told a class of third graders, here's the problem, the banks are insolvent, they're upside down, they'd be like, well, just print money and give it to them. That's what they did. And now we're rewarding him the Nobel Prize for it, which I find hilarious. I think it's kind of tantamount or, or, or pretty, pretty similar to 
you know, uh, your kid going out and burning the neighbor's house down and giving the, the their parent the parent of the year award because they paid the deductible for the neighbor's house that burned down, right? I, the banks that are supposed to be part of the Fed, you know, the Fed member banks, Fed's supposed to be help keeping them in check. They're not their only regulator, but they're one, right? Those banks go out and create this toxic mix of environment right underneath the Fed's nose. Fed repeatedly has warned about it. There is no issue in subprime lending, subprime markets. Ben Bernanke, 2005, said that, right? Then those same banks that you're supposed to be watching over and, 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 and making sure they're in good working order, darn near blow up the world, and then you print a trillion dollars of the taxpayers' money, stuff it in their bottom lines, and now you're a hero? Like I said, you want to impress me, save the financial system without writing a blank check on the people's backs. Now, why did he really get it? He got it because he preserved the status quo. Who awards those? Who awards those? Or who gives out those awards? Who decides that? It's not steel workers. <laughs> it's not guys that work in the oil patch. It's elites. What did he do? He maintained the status quo. He kept them wealthy. He did his job. And he's an academic. Right? When you do your job for the elites and you maintain the status quo, you're going to get paid and you're going to get paid in your fam- favorite currency. Well, what is the favorite currency of a career academic economist? It's the Nobel Prize. You're a good boy. And pat you on the head, Ben. Good job. Good boy. And, and I'm not saying he's a bad guy. He doesn't seem like he is. Very smart. Very well read. I've actually read a lot of his stuff. It's very insightful, especially he's one of the most preeminent experts on the Great Depression. This isn't a personal shot at the guy. But it just shows you, in my opinion, it's a little glimpse behind the curtain. Was what he did so revolutionary? He just printed a trillion bucks, right? Anybody could, hey, these banks are insolvent. They're going to go under. What do we do? Well, let's print a trillion bucks and give it to them. <laughs> it was that simple. That's a Nobel Prize. He saved it. Like I said, you want to impress me, do it without printing a trillion bucks. And had he done that, then I'd say, hey. And then look at the cost of it, right? Because I honestly, we, we did an interview last week, and I apologize, guys. There was some language in there, but I don't, I don't when, when we're doing these extended deep dive interviews, I don't want to throw those constraints on people because I want them to be comfortable and authentic and tell us what they really think. So I, I apologize for the language. It's not a normal thing on it. And Dimitri's a great guy, so don't think any less of him. But, you know, he and I spoke about this last week. Like, you start looking. Remember Occupy Wall Street, right? The the stuff that we're dealing with culturally today, I think all started there. So so we're just going to ignore all the negative ramifications. We're going to ignore the fact that Fed activity, in my opinion, was the number one reason for the record wealth disparity in this country. And we're just so again, I go back to why is he getting the Nobel Prize? Because he kept the wealthies and the elites wealthy and elite. Right. Because we're not even going to look about what the cost was. Right? We're going to pretend as if it was no cost. He just saved it. Oh, there's a cost. There always is. There's always a cost. So anyway, I haven't railed on the Fed in a long time, but I just saw him get the Nobel Prize and I went, and again, not personal, not saying he should be excoriated, not saying he should be public enemy number one, but the Nobel Prize for printing a trillion dollars and handing it to the very people that created the mess in the first place and then sent us, in my opinion, lit the, you know, lit the match or struck the match that is really, in my opinion, has been one of the biggest things that got us to all this disarray and cultural upheaval. I think it's deserving of something. It ain't a Nobel Prize. Anyway, as always, guys, if this is the kind of thought, if you want to be ideologically you know, married or ideologically in sync with the people managing your money that see it this way, that are focused on insulating you from all of this madness and craziness that we all know isn't going to end well, give us a call, 866-779-RISK and 866-779-RISK. Go to the radio show website, knowyourriskradio.com. You guys know the drill. You can follow me on Twitter at KYR Radio. Anyway, we've got to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Talk about the consumer spending air pocket that is happening. Stick with us through the break. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. Do better in bull markets. Do better in bear markets. 
pay less fees in all markets. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. You can subscribe to Zach's free newsletter, The Bulwark Insider Report, at knowyourriskradio.com. Is your portfolio positioned for a successful retirement in this wild market? Join Zach Abraham for his final live webinar of the year, Thursday, October 27th at 3 o'clock, to learn why a risk management strategy has never been more crucial. Dory, protecting retirement portfolios against loss is our number one focus. Our live webinar is a fully transparent look into the Bulwark Investment Strategy, and we'll show you how our strategy is done in 2022 as well as previous years, and explain why a basic 60-40 stock bond mix is outdated and is a risk in today's inflationary environment. Learn how our risk management strategy can help protect your retirement. Don't miss Zach Abraham's final live webinar of the year, Thursday, October 27th at 3. It's free, but space is limited, so register now at knowyourriskradio.com. Learn all about Bulwark's risk management strategy and see their performance. Register now at knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice can be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management's an investment advisor representative of Truck Financial, LLC, and SEC-registered investment advisor. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back. All right, I got to condense this one a little bit because you get me talking about the Fed and Ben Bernanke and I went a little over. So we'll, con- we'll, we'll condense it. But remember how we've been talking to you guys quite some time about rates, the economy, how consumer spending is up 17% now where it was from 2019, which I believe is a record increase, right? So why did that consumer spending jump to record levels at a record pace over the last two years? Was it because there was some beautiful thing going on in the economy? No, it's because the handouts, right? It was the stimmies, right? The diamond hands, the government hand, right? It It was all those things, which are all gone now. Therefore, that level of consumer spending is unsustainable. Not to mention the fact that consumer spending was a binge the last two years, especially considering you were stuck at home, right? If you needed a TV, you ordered it. If you needed speakers, you ordered it. Patio furniture, barbecues, decking, new patio, uh, space heaters, uh, you know, Adirondack chairs for crying out loud, right? Whatever it was, you've got it. And you got to buy it with somebody else's money. So at the very least, we were saying you're going to see a consumer air pocket, that an air pocket in consumer spending, especially after the summer of love was over. Well, now it's over. Guess what's happening? Automobile sales continue to plummet. We all know what's going on in real estate. Go look at retail. They are choking on excess inventory and consumer spending is rapidly slowing. Okay, PC units. PC sales, personal computers falling off a cliff, Xbox sales falling off a cliff. Why does it pretend some great or is it showing us some great threat? No, it's just that you're not going to keep up that level of spending. It's going to normalize. Unfortunately, normalization looks like a 15 to 20 percent drop in consumer spending. And for those of you doing this at home, if you get a 15 to 20 percent pullback in consumer spending, which, by the way, just gets us back to the levels we were at in 2019, these these valuations in this stock market, not even talking about input costs going up, not talking about the, the record pace at which interest rates are going up, not talking about any of that, not talking about the fact that refis are dead. Right. All those things don't make consumer spending any better. But we're just looking at the state of the economy going, look, if you just look at that consumer air pocket issue that we're talking about, I don't know how in the world you expect earnings to increase next year over this year, let alone. I mean, I don't know how you expect them to stay, stay flat, let alone grow. Okay, and that's why I keep saying one of the things that concerns me the most about this market is I'm looking at a stock market that is still only embedded, right? This whole pullback this year, this is just the market normalizing to rates. We're still not factoring in lower earnings. People are like, well, what do you mean, Zach? And I'm like, look, it's really simple, guys. Are you going to pay as much for a stock now? Are you as excited to buy stocks now that you can throw money in the bank and make almost 4.5% on U.S. government bonds? No, nobody is. Fed saying rates are going to go even higher. So not only do we have the dollar at, you know, all these highs, which is going to kill us overseas, already has Apple listing the warning. Right? And you look at the Apple iPhone. It's funny, we've been using that as the example all year long. Right? 
And I said a few weeks back, Apple came out and said, we're seeing less demand than we expected. Shocker. The price of your phone went up 50% for people overseas. Somewhere in that ballpark when you factor in currency issues and then they raise the price of this phone like 200 bucks. But you're looking overall at somewhere between a 40 to 55% increase depending on which country you're buying. Of course there's going to be lower demand. And that's the thing. Everybody's acting like, oh, we're going to get through these rate hikes and get inflation on our apps and it's, it's off to the moon. No, then we got to start focusing on what's actually going on in the economy. Earnings are coming down. I book it. I, and we're not even still baking. And I mean, look, market can do whatever it wants. But for those of you out there thinking we're at a bottom, I, I disagree. And those people have been saying we're at a bottom for the last three months. We just keep getting more bottomy. So anyway, this is not a time to be bold. And I certainly don't think this is a time to buy into the big rally we saw on Thursday. As a matter of fact, markets are doing kind of what we thought they'd do, which is roll over again. Why? Because the underlying data is bad. And if you want people that are watching this, if you want people that are making allowances for this to make sure that if it gets really nasty, because guys, this isn't really nasty. You're still looking at a market that's trading around 19 times earnings. That's a generously valued market, especially with the backdrop we've got. If you think this is as bad as it gets, holy smokes, hold on to your hats. So if you want somebody that's watching that stuff, that is taking preemptive action, that's up at five in the morning looking for CPI prints, which you should, that's what your fee should get you. It should get you being down less than 5% this year when the market's down nearly 30, right? If you, especially if you're close to retirement, if not, what are you paying your fee for? And if that's you, give us a call 866-779-RISK. Again, 866-779-RISK. Guys, there's a better way. We'll show you. We'll do an analysis of your portfolio. We'll show you where you would have been if you'd have been with us. We'll tell you the cost. Everything's wide open and transparent. Just give us a look. Or somebody else that's an active manager that has a good track record. Because these static 60-40 portfolios, and I bet you if you call your advisor this week, he's going, what's he going to tell you? Stay the course. Okay, if you want more pain, but there's a better way. You don't, you, and you can make more money. It's not like we're telling you to hide underneath the couch. Give us a call, 866-779-RISK. We got to go real quick. Had to bump the interview to next week. Wasn't my issue. Guy had to flip around, added some scheduling stuff. So bear with us. We'll have him on next week. You won't want to miss it. Anyway, have a great weekend. Go Mariners. Hoping for a comeback. We'll see you next week. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. Thanks for listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital. Whether it's preservation of capital or an aggressive growth strategy, every investor needs a clearly defined risk profile. Schedule your free risk review with Zach Abraham now at knowyourriskradio.com. Zach will be back with more Know Your Risk Radio next Saturday at noon on 97.3 Cairo FM and AM 770 KTTH. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.